Come and dream with me. Welcome to Body Horror Watch, the Exposure to America's premier media podcast. Every week we get together to talk about movies, TV, and online content and help answer the question, who would have thought peer pressure would get Drew Barrymore to cancel her TV show return? Not me. I'm your host, Ash Sobley. Joining me today, Dylan Blatt. Nearly said Fortnite. Nearly said Fortnite, yes. Nearly <laughs> went back to... It's an ongoing issue, even mm. though I've changed the, the, the text in the doc. It's just have some habits die hard. Mm. This and alcohol. Um, on today's episode, we'll be talking about what's your watch history, going over some news, giving some thumbs to trailers, giving you this week's top three. I'll kick things off. I went out and checked out the latest DC film, Blue Beetle. Uh, I think technically the newest entry in the new DCU. I don't know. It's in that weird in-between space. Uh, Wikipedia says it's part of the DCEU. So. Uh, directed by Angel Manuel Sota, uh, starring Zolo Madu Maridwena as uh, Jaime Reyes, a uh, young man who just graduated from university, comes home to his family who are living in the uh, city of... Palmero, Palomar, Palmera City, um, to find his family uh, while he was away at college. Uh, lost the house, lost his fam- lost the family business. His father had a heart attack, uh, and now he's kind of working, trying to work to help his family uh, keep their family home. And he soon finds himself entangled with the cord company. Um, currently run by Victoria Cord, uh, played by uh, Susan Sarandon, who is setting about uh, creating the OMAC uh, project, which is a one-man army corps, um, so a bunch of human cyborgs that all fight. Uh, but in order for them to be able to implement this program, they need to find the Blue Scarab, um, which has some sort of powers amongst it, um, but it gets stolen and given to Jaime, who uh, activates it and becomes a blue beetle. Uh, yeah. So if you haven't, <laughs> there's a lot there. You know, it's introducing a brand new character um, to a lot of people like who haven't read the comics. Um, but uh, I enjoyed it. I had a good time. I think it's, but not the best DC movie by any stretch. Um, there are definitely moments where the CGI is. Uh, not up to snuff, but obviously this was a movie that was meant to be released on Max. Like it was meant to be a streaming movie. Um, and unlike Batgirl, it actually got a f- full release. Um, but yeah, it's a fun family movie. Like obviously he's got a really fun family unit, um, that, you know, he is playing against, um, they introduced like the idea of Ted Cord, uh, who was the first blue beetle in comics history. Um, yeah, I I, th- I think it doesn't go far enough. There's like the idea, like they take so long, like introducing the idea of the scarab and the blue beetle armor and all that kind of stuff. They don't quite get a chance to utilize it a lot, and then it kind of ends up the way a lot of these movies end up with a you know CGI fight at the end of the film in the dark uh, in a remote place. 
Um, but I had a good All time. boxes. Yeah. I, I had a good time. I think, yeah, strong supporting cast. There's a lot of fun jokes. Um, very fun tone and clearly they kind of tease like a potential sequel um, or direction if they, you know, choose to continue with this. Um, but yeah, it's definitely a film. Like a, it's definitely a superhero movie you haven't seen before um, with this kind of like minority family and that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, I I would uh, recommend checking out Blue Beetle. Okay. I think it's a good time. Uh, Dylan, you've gotten a chance to check out The Continental uh, from the world of John Wick, which is about to release on Prime Video. Yeah, so the first John Wick spinoff is a prequel, uh, and it stars um, Winston as a... uh, was not actually starring... whatever that actor's name is, I'm... I can't remember, but, <laughs> yeah. um, the character Winston's got uh, set during the 1970s and um, it's sort of how it's the origin story more or less of how Winston ends up in charge of the the Continental more or less like how that all happens uh, it's a three episode if it so was to be clear t- it's not a de-aged Ian McShane to be clear it is not a de-aged Ian McShane it has a different actor the actor's name is Colin Woodwell Woodell actually Woodell um it's a th- yeah, so it's a three episode. Each episode's like I don't know, like an hour and a half, an hour or something. Like they're they're sort of three mini movies, more or less, I guess. Um, how it plays out. Um, I feel like if this was back on, if this was on normal TV, it would be like an event miniseries sort of thing. You know, it'd be three nights back to back. But I believe they're re- releasing them week to week still, which is sort of um, annoying. Um, definitely feel like it would have played better as a back-to-back event sort of series one you know drop it friday night you know friday saturday sunday or you know something like that a little bit different would have been cool i thought but anyway um the shot itself is pretty pretty good like obviously big john wick fan um i like those movies for the 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 fighting mostly less than the the characters but over the course of four films they have built like some lore and world um, that sort of makes sense <laughs> within their own guidelines and rules and, and what have you. Um, and this one is set up with Mel Gibson's character uh, called Cormac. He is the current, uh, whatever, concierge, no, not concierge, like the, whatever, the head honcho of the, the Continental Hotel in New York City at this point. And he uh, wants to get and kill Winston's brother because Winston's brother in, in at the start of the first episode steals something. Now, you don't know what that is sort of a, a MacGuffin for the, the series to go after, but uh, the MacGuffin is super important enough and a big deal that uh, Mel Gibson's character like sends everyone after him and to the point that he actually sends people to go kidnap Winston, who in the first episode is all the way over in England at this point, and bring him back to New York City because he thinks he might know where his brother is. Uh, and he doesn't, but he ends up wanting to help him that he's been brought back and sort of tied into all this mess uh, as well. Uh, this version of Winston is, like, it's still the smart talking... Like, he's he fights in this, but he's, he's not a fighter. Like, it's, it's the same sort of character that you see in the movies you know he's more, he's he's no more of the talk and stuff like that a lot of the other characters do most of fighting in this um there is some good combat uh it's a mix of martial arts stuff as well as gun combat but it's nowhere near as good and and honestly if you expect the the, the fights in this to be as good as the movie i feel like that's just asking too much from a 
a TV spin-off. Uh, but I still enjoyed it for what it was. Uh, some of the better fights happened between a lot of the novice, the side characters. Um, they sort of end up teaming up with this group of um, people who are like sort of running um, this gun, illegal gun shop and stuff like that. But they sort of hate Cormac, Mel Gibson's character. Like, so all the people who sort of hate him end up teaming together to, to, to fight back against him and stuff like that. One of the characters like refuses to use guns. So you get some cool fight scenes there where it's like hand to hand combat and stuff like that. Um, Mel Gibson's good in this. I mean, he just plays an evil prick. I don't know. Like he's, Frustration. <laughs> yeah. Like, and I mean, like, really quite an evil prick. So, so it does that well. Um, it ties in some other stuff from the, the larger uh, John Wick universe. There's a, a an adjudicator that shows up here a couple times, played by Lex Luthor's sister, uh, whatever that actress's name is from the, the um, Supergirl TV show. Um, the, uh, so you got some of that sort of stuff tied in, and it, it does leave it open to where they could maybe continue this series if it does well enough and they could continue the adventures of young Winston Scott, I guess, if they, if they wanted to do that. Um, but yeah, if, if the main, I would say the deciding factor of is, is this show for you or not is, is the main reason you like watching John Wick for the, the fights, um, but you do not give a fuck about anything else Then I would nearly say no, because I don't feel like the fights are anywhere near as good. So you, you're sort of not going to tick that box. However, if you enjoy the, the overall world, um that they've been building over those four films then this yeah sort of helps expand upon that and the the characters it doesn't feel it doesn't definitely doesn't feel like a cheap uh cash in like uh there's most of the characters uh, across three episodes which isn't too many do get expanded upon and there's, there's enough meat on the bone here to to justify this i think as a, a series and at three episodes it doesn't feel like they they you know try to stretch it out into something more than it needed to be all right uh, so yeah, this releases on Prime Video the twenty second. Uh, over three weeks, I believe. Yeah, three so, weeks. Double check while I was talking. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so check that out. Uh, so I checked out the documentary Second Chance, uh, which follows uh, Richard Davis, who invented the concealable bulletproof vests. Uh, so. Um, interviewing Richard Davis and all the people who worked for his company, Second Chance, um, that made the Bulletproof S from his rise um, from being the owner of a bunch of pizza shops that got burnt down to creating Bulletproof S and becoming one of, like, one of the top manufacturers of those in the country, like giving them out, uh, selling them to lots of police precincts and military. Even George W. Bush was wearing their uh, Bulletproof vests. Uh, and then through to the company's kind of eventual downfall. Um, yeah, is it interesting? Look, this guy is very, uh, very pro police. He's, he's the the Blue Lives Matter type of guy um, to the extent where apparently, um, so his big thing is would, he would keep a list of all the people who were saved by his bulletproof vests um, and have a list. But then it, he would also he also secretly had like a bounty. Like, if the person who was saved by the bulletproof vest would kill the person who shot them, he would give them a gun. Like, that was his thing. He was, like, very, like, all these people who shoot at police officers should be dead. Um, even to the extent where part of his promotional material, he would make short, like, short movies that are included in the documentary. It's very weird. 
Um, but yeah, kind of follows his rise up of manufacturing all these bulletproof vests. Like, there's lots of footage of him shooting himself, like to te- like show off that his bulletproof vests like work and that kind of stuff, which is crazy. Um, but yeah, like the downfall of Second Chance and like how they ended up like uh, pretty much going into bankruptcy and like uh, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, pretty rough and he is like there's a lot of sketchy stuff in his store backstory um that the you know the documentarians kind of delve into uh it's an interesting documentary obviously with interesting people involved i just don't think it was like compellingly put together um like it's very slow and drawn out and then they kind of at points focus very heavily on like side uh characters i guess um like for only emotional like manipulation esque effect, I guess. Um, in my opinion, um, um, like they reunite like a guy who got shot and the person who shot him, like several years later, and they both kind of moved on with their lives and like, um, become better people in in the time since. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's an interesting documentary. I like it's it's a subject matter that I haven't really thought about at all. Um, like bulletproof vests and like how they get made and like that kind of stuff and what's put into them. Um, so yeah, interesting, interesting story. Weird dude. Um, just very eccentric and that kind of stuff. Uh, so yeah, that's available to watch on Doc Play, I believe, only at the moment. So yeah. Uh, Dylan, you watched the fastest little Indian. What's up with that? Why'd you say that so? <laughs> <laughs> you never seen this movie? No. I know of it. I remember seeing the trailer play before like DVDs. <laughs> yeah, I mean it was on TV the other night, so I'd seen it before. I just um I watched it. I don't know. I was watching it while having dinner and stuff, but and then I probably could have okay. left, but then I was like, the movie's only got forty minutes left. I'm, I'll finish it because only quite- forty minutes. Yeah. Well, I mean, like by the time I had finished, like I had it on the background while like making dinner and then yeah. ate dinner, and, and by the sure. time that was all done, I had forty minutes left, so I ended up watching the whole movie. I didn't think I would, but I did. So I, I checked it off my list. Um, yeah, for people who haven't watched it, it's, it's pretty good. It's like this this story of this this dude, uh, Bert, um, who uh, he like loves this. It's called the world's fastest Indian because he's got this Indian motorcycle, not um, it's not some like a. Uh, weird racial undertone <laughs> we're trying to work that but um yeah so he's got his indian motorcycle um and he has a big dream he's from uh, new zealand but he has this big dream of racing across the uh, salt la- uh, salt uh, salt flats in salt lake city or wherever that is um yeah i think that's right um and he uh he's sort of just uh, he spends all his time working on it and then when he's like 60 odd or whatever it is uh he is starting to get some heart issues and he just decides fuck it he like mortgages his house he sells everything um and he sets off to america on this this big trip to to go there and three quarters of the movie are just these little um they're all just these little things where he just bumps into people i think they're all just like stories from like sort of the the people he met along the way it's like a sort of a road trip movie but then when you get down to the the back half of the movie once he actually gets there he, he ends up running into issues where he never actually registered to race and you're supposed to so then that's a whole dilemma like will he be able to race can he get people to help him agree to help uh to, to for him to do it um yeah it's just it's just a funny little story because i i guess 
you know, watching it, even though he's a, even though he's a Kiwi, it's a, you know, it's the same sort of attitude of just, you know, whenever you get these movies where it's like an Australian or a New Zealander traveling across America, there's all these like funny little scenarios where the, the culture differences and that sort of stuff. And um, Anthony Hopkins does quite a good job uh, as Bert. Um, his accent's not terrible or anything. So, <laughs> like, but um, I enjoy it. I think it's, a, I remember watching it when it came out. I was, I think I was in like grade seven or something at the time, probably. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a good little movie, I think. All right. Uh, let's move into the mandatory Netflix segment of the show. Uh, and Dylan, you've been able to watch the first few episodes of Sex Education Season 4. Is it living up to what you'd want from the last season of Sex Education? Uh, yeah, so I, as of recording, I think I'm three episodes in. Probably have finished it, hopefully, by the time this actually goes live. But obviously, we're big sex education fans around here. Um, this is the final season, so coming into it, there's a lot sort of riding on it. Um, I'm enjoying it so far, although I'm having a lot of three episodes in, just the some of the drama around characters is too stressful for me. I can't, <laughs> you know, knowing it's the final season, I'm like, I don't know, you're, you're doing things to me. Um, but I mean, the, the season picks up, um, I don't know, like, how many months it's supposed to be, but, like, it's right, it, it starts on the first day of their, the new school year, and they're in college now, um, instead of high school, so, because obviously last season ended with their big high school, um, dance or whatever, you know, the No, the so their fucking... school got shut down, remember, at the end of last season. Oh, yeah, that's right, yeah, the whole because, thing got shut because down. Because it was a sex school. Yeah, because it was sex school. Yeah, so now they're then they're off to other school at the start of this season, and the interesting thing about this school, as soon as they get there, it is very like new age. Um, it's the complete opposite of like, like if their if their school was more atypical, you you had the cool girls and like you know whatever else. This school is like the cool kids in this school are the like the lgbtq crowd right so yeah. this makes for an interesting swing of direction because suddenly eric he very quickly gets in with the cool crowd right he's mm. suddenly one like friends with one of the popular kids meanwhile you got fucking ruby over here who's struggling to make friends she's eating Whoa. alone she's got no like it's a complete um sort of switch of directions as as because not all the characters from Season they, three returns. Season yeah. three, like some of them, they quickly say like you'll see like quick runovers and lines. Like Ruby will be like, "Oh, so and so, they don't even talk to me anymore. They're too busy at their other school anymore." Like so they they went to a different school for whatever yeah. reason. I don't need to know why. It doesn't really matter. But um, but yeah, so it's, it's interesting to see like Ruby, who was part of the cool crowd, sort of like switched over another direction. Um, the first couple episodes do a pretty good job at like going around the the core cast and like catching up to to where they are and like setting up the main direction for this season so with otis he comes into school he has these big ideas coming in he's like i'm just gonna set up my sex clinic straight away um he's made like a flyer he's gonna make the best thing ever he gets to school <laughs> there's already a sex clinic there being run by someone else so now he's uh now there's a uh that's his drama for the for the season now he now he's got an arch enemy because this person says they were doing it before him but he's like, no, nah, they definitely copied me. There's no way. Like, there's no way anyone else would have done this. That's complete bullshit um, going down that road. So that's that's what's happening with Otis. Um, Amy is still here, which is great because I would have been really annoyed if Amy yep. dropped off. Uh, Amy sort of ends up um, bumping into and sort of, but not really, but 
making friends with Isaac because Isaac's in her art class and Amy's like struggling with her art class and doing like very Amy things of like, I like art, but I don't get it. And just like saying all these very like things. And then yeah. um, she says, I don't remember the line, but the first time she bumps into Isaac, she says something that is very ableist. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> and sort of realizes after and ends up apologizing, but it's just, yeah, in her own sort of way. Um, you've got, so Jean, obviously Otis's mum dealing with the, um, baby, um, the, yeah, the baby. So the baby's now, I <laughs> uh, have mum's dolls and she's on struggle street. Like she's on full struggle street. That's a, that's a thing. Like the, the series is definitely at least where I'm at building up this whole, like s- single mum life is just not easy. Her, e- easy and she's just not able to cope with it. She's also unable to ask for help. Uh, she, she reckons she can still do everything. She's trying to get back to work when she she's barely like st- able to get up in the morning and like put on clothes. You know what I mean? Like it's just this yep. uh, this whole sort of stuff there. Um, I don't run down all the main like there are other characters returning here, like Cal's here, and um, which is really good because one of the standout characters I think from last season, and then like a few other people as well that come into it. Uh, Maeve is over in oh quickly. Jean's Jean tries to get a radio job. The radio job is run by a person played by Hannah Gatsby, which I don't know if that oh. uh, was in any of the trailers or anything, but I did quickly Google it the other day to see if that had been announced, and apparently it was. But yeah, so Hannah Gatsby plays this character who's like the the TV, the radio show like owner or whatever, who hires Gene to do a, a sex ed show in like the first episode or whatever. Um, Adam is just on Struggle Street. He's, <laughs> he's, he's not gone back to school. Um, he's like he's li- now living with his mom, uh, who's split up with uh, his dad, and they're like living separately. He doesn't want to go back to school though, so he's trying to get a job. But yeah, he's also just still sad about yeah. Eric and Eric. like he's just he's just a sad boy. Is basically mm. where we're at. Um, Maeve is over in America. I said England. But, um, Maeve's yeah, over in America, America, obviously, where she left to go at the end of the first, last season. Um, her and Otis is talking and whatever else, but she's just mostly focused on her school life. Um, yeah. There, the teacher's been played. Her, she's like in this writing class where her teacher's been played by uh, Dan Levy. So, yeah, as this like big famous writer and stuff. So there's a there's a few big guest uh, guest people in this yeah. this season. So, um, really enjoying it so far. I have no idea they've introduced a lot of... They're doing a thing where it's the last season and they're introducing a lot of new things while also being the last season. So I'm like, cool. See how this all wraps up. And yeah, just some people's relationships where I'm like, oh no, can you all just get along? And you know, <laughs> that typical sort of thing. But yeah, obviously really enjoying it. Can see where it finishes up. Um, how many hopefully episodes? it's great. And uh, eight episodes. Ooh. And by the time this is up, I can say, so I haven't watched the finale yet, obviously, but I, I did like just scroll down before well, the season finale is an hour and a half. So. Okay. So it's like nine episodes. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Very exciting. Um, so I checked out the new documentary series on Netflix wrestlers, uh, which follows OVW Ohio Valley wrestling, um, which is one of the only, well, I believe if I believe what they say, the only independently run wrestling promotion in the States that does live weekly TV. Um, uh, of course, OVW was known for being the uh, feeder or feeder promotion for uh, WWE back in the day and produced the likes of Brock Lesnar and John Cena and Randy Orton and Dave Batista. 
but now it is uh, a shell of its former self, kind of um, run by Al Snow, who was, of course, a wrestler back in the day, um, but is pretty much losing money hand over fist. Um, the company has just been bought by two uh, local businessmen. One is the mayor of the local city, um, who doesn't really feature very prominently in the documentary. Uh, but the other is uh, other co-owner is Matt Jones, who is a like radio sports personality, and he kind of comes in and he has his own way of thinking about how he's going to turn this company around, uh, and he kind of butts heads with um, kind of all the wrestling personalities. Um, so it's like an interesting dichotomy and like setup for the show, uh, the documentary of these two warring sides trying to keep this company afloat. Um, yeah, and it, it obviously this is from the team that did like Cheer and Last Chance You and those kind of shows. So it's very much like a fly on the wall kind of documentary. Like there are like pieces to camera and that kind of stuff, talking to the different wrestlers, uh, going into their backstories and that kind of, uh, like exploring their relationships. Like I feel like Al Snow like is the center point of the entire thing. Obviously he's running OVW, he's booking all the shows, writing all the storylines. Um, so he is the, the center of that world. Um, but other interesting ca- characters is Hollywood, Hollywood Haley J, who is like a very prominent female wrestler. Um, second generation. She's the daughter of amazing Maria, who is a, former well she's she's a wrestler herself so she's second generation um but amazing uh maria was like a deathmatch <laughs> wrestler back in the day um and like their relationship is not very good because she'd be off wrestling and shit Haley would like be off doing her own thing um but yeah they both kind of have been brought back together by wrestling um and uh, like trying to have a working relationship, kind of. But she is definitely the most charismatic and like uh, interesting character on the show. And like, um, yeah, she's really enjoyable to watch on screen. Uh, she's definitely the one who uh, is getting, I would suspect, getting the most buzz out of this. Um, to the extent where I believe she's like got a WWE tryout as of <laughs> like. Right yeah, the, the um this morning it was posted that she yeah. was confirmed as Which isn't having surprising. a tryout. Yeah, so. which is interesting. So, um, interesting timing. <laughs> but uh, um, yeah. Uh, but the other thing is like she's in this relationship with the another wrestler called Eric Darkstorm as like a terribly toxic relationship in the entire season. You're like, come on, Haley, just get, just stop, because the worst. The most ridiculous trait about it is he hates women's wrestling. And she's a woman's wrestler. It doesn't make sense. Ah, oh, frustrating. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of other fun side characters and like everybody's trying to uh find their way to make uh OVW work. Um they set about doing this big summer tour where there's gonna be like thirty-three like different shows of different sizes and that kind of stuff while they're also doing like the weekly television show all leading up to this big uh pay-per-view event at the end of the year called the big one um yeah lots of interesting behind the scenes stuff like there's even a moment where one of the like the lead uh announcer also works as like a marketing person behind the scenes and like that's his full-time job and he calls up fight tv to see what the pay-per-view numbers for were for their last pay-per-view and they're like man it was like 20 
you're like, shit, they needed like 500 to like break even. Uh, and they got like 20. It's like 10 in the States, one here, one there, one all over the world. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty crazy. Very enjoyable, very engrossing. It's seven episodes long. Um, lots of like, there's also some behind the scenes stuff. Like uh, in one episode, Al Snow goes to Ric Flair's uh, last match ever. So there's a lot of footage from behind the scenes of him being there and seeing the crowd, but then also like appearances from like different uh, wrestlers of that era. Um, yeah, so I would recommend checking out the wrestlers if you're a wrestling fan. It's definitely worth a watch. Does it feel um this and there's that the Apple TV one? It's so weird that there was two Doco series um produced around the same time. Time <laughs> around like similar kind of things. Yeah. It's interesting because, like, the top guy from that series, uh, Goldie, I believe, coincidentally, also having a tryout at WWE. Uh, so, yeah. Interesting. Uh, Dylan, you watched the uh, Nepo movie. Uh, you are so not invited to my bat, Spitzfar. I was like, when you like, you watched the Nepo movie, I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> the Nepo movie. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, so you are so not invited to my bat, Spitzfar. Is a uh, was pretty good. We talked. I think we talked about trailer, right? I didn't dream yes, that. We did. yeah. Um, yeah, I liked it as much as the the trailer. I think. Um, so it's based on a book and everything. So like, like it is grounded in a successful uh, YA novel. But the the story here is basically that um, Stacy and Lydia they're like BFFs for forever until they have a fight over something, and then. Um, Stacy, um, they're like all planning their bat, mis- bat mitzvah and all this sort of stuff, and then have a fight, and then uh, she goes, and another girl kisses the guy that she's like got the hots for. It's all very like teen young girl, like drama happening here, but it is a lot of fun. I think the the older girls and uh, are quite likable in it. The guy who's playing the the dude, what's his name? Where is he? This is dude here. Andy Goldfarb was the character. The actor's name is Dylan Hoffman. So shout out to Dylan. Um, he like plays the worst, <laughs> like the whole time. Every time this dude's on screen, like as the hot teenage dude that all the girls like, he's like the worst person ever. Just like the biggest like idiot. Like, <laughs> I'm like, why does anyone like this guy? But I think that's sort of the point. But um, the other thing is, like, so you got Adina Menzel plays the the mother of the the main girl. Adam Sandler plays the dad of the girl, and the girl is actually his daughter. And then Jackie Sandler plays the mum of the other girl, Lydia, who's having the fight with, and that's actually still the all the Sandlers are in it. Then you got the older sister, it's played by Sandler. When you get to the end of the credits, it just says four people with last name Sandler at one stage there on the screen. Um, Adam Sandler's not in the movie a whole lot, but when he is, when he is in it, he's quite good. I, I think like having like minimal Sandler doing like doing for this sort of works. It makes it quite funny. One of my favorite parts is when he's just like, I think it's like a weekend. Is like he goes to the older daughter. He's like, "Hey, do you want to come watch a movie with me?" And of course, the older teenage daughter's like, "No, oh my god, dad, no! Why would I do that? Like, I got all these plans." And he like asks the the younger daughter, the one who's having all the the fights and stuff, um, Stacy. And then at first she's like, "Yeah, totally, I'll come." And then she gets in the car, and then suddenly she changes her mind. And then she wants to go to uh, Lydia's 
party, which is where she catches, catches her kissing the boy um, early in the film. But my favorite part is just like, yeah, no worries. Cool. I'll just, uh, I'll just go eat popcorn and watch the movie by myself there and all stuff. And I was like thinking like, this is what I'll never be if I was a dad. Like, it would just be like me trying to like get, Hey, no, no worries. Kids, do you want to come watch a movie? No, you just want to watch TikTok on your phone. Cool. All right. Fuck me. Right. Uh, <laughs> I was like, this is like relatable, even though not fully in my scenario. But um, yeah, but lots of uh, like Louise Guzman's in it for a very short time, but he's quite funny. I don't know. Like, I, it's definitely a YA movie, but it still tickled my, um, tickled my funny, funny word a few times. So yeah, I enjoyed it. I would suggest it. All right. Uh, that's everything I watched this trailer. Let's move into a little bit of film news. And again, very light week. <laughs> Not a lot going on. What? Why uh, is that? Oh, the strikes are still on. Strikes, strikes still on. Crazy. Uh, but yeah, that's that's. Well, we did have two major festivals. Well, a few major festivals, which we'll get into later. Uh, but yeah, not a lot. Uh, so news broke uh, this week. Been revealed that the Lando TV series is no more. It is now a movie. Uh, reading from Variety News, broke in July that Donald and Stephen Glover have been tapped by Disney and Lucasfilm to replace Jason Simeon as writers of the new Lando television series, but not so fast. The project is actually being developed as a Lando movie, Lucasfilm confirmed to Variety. Glover debuted as young Lando Carissian in the 2017 Star Wars tentpole solo. That's crazy that that movie is six years old, but yeah, uh, which was a notable box office disappointment for Disney and Lucasfilm. Uh, Stephen Glover first dropped the news of a Lando movie on recent appearance of Pablo Torre Finds Out podcast, telling the host, it's not even a show. The idea right now is to do a movie. Right now, because of all the strike, it's just like kind of telephone all of the information. That's all the info Stephen could provide. Lucasfilm confirmed the news afterwards. Uh, Dylan, how do you feel about the Lando Calrissian Limited series being dead and it's now just going to be a film? Sounds great. <laughs> is this what you wanted all along? Yep, pretty much. I got, I got, I got, yeah, I got nothing. Right, sounds great. They got film on real sets instead of the volume. Awesome. Yeah, hopefully it's closer to uh, to Andor than Ahsoka. <laughs> mm. I mean, obviously Donald Glover did such a good job with Lando, like his performance. One hundred percent. Like, who doesn't want to see more? Even the people who don't like that movie, surely everyone agreed he was good. So. Keen, can't wait. Give me a, give me. I'd much rather a movie, a, a fucking solid ninety-minute movie than a six-episode series that looks like shit half the time. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. What What do you want from a Lando movie? I guess it's an interesting question. No, just Dude, fucking it's just a random time. Lando. It's okay. just him on the ship, showing on capes. Well, I don't. Does... I don't need no big time. I just. I just need just come up with a new villain. Have him get into trouble, do something. He meets some um, old mate who's his friend in the the movies. There's your the, in Empire Strikes Back with the stupid thing on his head. I don't know, like that's where they. I, whatever, I don't care. Just it's just a it's just a movie. Like, it's, do you want just old and Reich to show back up? Yeah, sure. I mean, I I like I I liked him fine, but I don't I don't care either way. I think I don't I don't need so oh tie it in we do the thing like just come here's an idea just write an original story <laughs> just write an original story write a good script. With entertaining characters and no, whatever John, else. This needs and... to tie in with the mythology of everything. No, I don't care. Just make uh, a fun movie. It needs to, to progress the story, overall story of Star Wars forward. And uh needs to bring back at least six characters that we know of. 
uh, to appear one for like 20 seconds. That's the requirements of any Star Wars property. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It'd be interesting. Um, obviously, you know, it is exciting that Donald Glover and Stephen Glover are, like, heavily involved. I guess a movie, uh, just put all that money in one place, you know, put it all on screen for this shorter story, then try and stretch it out. Um, I think probably, like, time-wise, it makes more sense, because I think Donald's got, like, a bunch of different projects in the works as well, so just have one movie be done, um, and yeah. Do you think would Lando make more money than Solo? No. Really? What Solo? Star Wars movie story. Uh, so that made three hundred ninety-three million dollars worldwide. Mm. You think this Lando movie will make less than that? I think if I don't think it has a chance to make. If it makes more, it's not much more. Like I, I, I don't see this. But this is the problem. Disney wants every movie, every Star Wars movie, to be gangbusters. You know? Mm. Like, billion dollar mark, every release. I think at some stage, you just, like, instead of doing, if, instead of going, if it can't make that much money, it's a TV show, how about just go, well, appropriate budget for appropriate standards of a spin-off or, like, side character storyline. Like, I just, yeah. Again, I, yeah. That was a problem with Solo too. Their well, the problem with Solo is they, like, the directors walked. Out well, that that was yeah. blowing the budget dramatically. Yeah, that too. So, all right. Uh, other news story I found interesting this week. Reading from Variety, the streaming era began with the promise of nurturing shows without fear of ratings pressure and quick cancellations. Of course, that was a lark. Soon enough, the streamers began slashing shows as quickly and brutally as any Nielsen obsessed broadcaster and they were all flooded with the same complaints the streamers just cancel everything nothing gets more than a season but how true is that really after all the streamers looking for hit shows just like traditional networks if a show gets high viewership relative to the cost of producing it it gets renewed otherwise it is cancelled that is how it's worked since the days of black and white tv uh so variety intelligence platform illuminate collaborated on data exploration to determine how often u.s-based streaming and linear programs cancel have cancelled tv series over the past three years the cover data covered all shows scripted and unscripted cancelled between 2020 and august 8th 2023 um so overall streamers cancelled projects uh 12.2 percent of the time compared to linear televisions 10.8 percent of the time uh do you want to do you want to have a guess who over that period of time had the highest percentage of cancelled shows Netflix. No. Oh, okay. Netflix in between twenty 2020 twenty and twenty three only cancelled ten point two percent of their programming. Prime? No. Prime in that period only cancelled nine point nine percent of their programming. Disney. No, Disney Plus only cancelled twenty one point one percent of their programming in this period. Twenty one point one and they still haven't won. That's fucking yep. a lot. <laughs> that is a lot. I don't know. You tell me. I'm fucking... I don't know. Max. Max is the highest. Oh, 26.9. Yeah, yeah, I don't even think of them. <laughs> yep. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, 26.9% of their programs, like, what, what's that? More than one in four yeah. uh, they cancelled in that period. Uh, so, yeah. I thought that was interesting. The lowest cancellation 
Well, Chud is not, unfortunately not on this list. Oh, fucking, there's a fake <laughs> list there. What are you talking about? Uh, is Apple TV Plus, yeah, which cancelled 4.9%. I was going to say, if they cancel anything, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I don't, uh, yeah, I'm not sure if they have cancelled anything. Uh, but yeah, this, uh, while Netflix is often used as a prime example of the streamer that cancels everything, the study found that its streaming service actually cancelled just 10.2% of its shows in the period measured, ranking fifth in the field. That includes high-profile cancellations for shows like the live-action Cowboy Bebop, which was iced less than a month after it launched in 2021. The important caveat to the study, the volume of shows across the different platforms varies widely. Part of that has made Netflix a matter of cancellation criticism is the sheer volume of its original content relative to, say, Peacock, for example. Also, contrary to Netflix's reputations, a hair-trigger series executioner, the streaming service is one of the eight is only one of the eight monitored in the study that actually improved its cancellation rate every year from 2020 through to 2023, making it less busy with the trigger finger over time. So yeah, that's uh, I thought that was interesting because obviously Netflix has a reputation for cancelling anything if it doesn't isn't successful right out of the gate. Uh, you got till three seasons. Yeah, that's true. You know, and uh, you know they they don't necessarily cancel shows they'd like uh say this is going to be the final season mm. which isn't the same as canceling a show which is yeah uh but yeah very interesting uh numbers wise uh yeah that's kind of it for the news this week uh let's move into giving some thumbs to trailers because you can find all the trailers we're about to talk about this week in the show notes below kicking things off with lessons in chemistry uh, developed by Lee Eisenberg, starring Brie Larson, Lewis Pullman, Arjun, Naomi King, Stephanie Cohen, Patrick Walker, Thomas Mann, Kevin Sussman, and Bo Bridges. In the 1950s, Elizabeth Zott's dream of becoming a scientist is challenged by a society that says women belong in a domestic sphere. She accepts a job on a TV cooking show and sets out to teach a nation of host- housewives way more than just recipes. Dylan, what do you think of this trailer for Lessons in Chemistry? Yeah, double thumbs up. I thought it looked pretty cool. Um, Brie Larson looks really good in it. Um, subject matter and everything looks obviously nineteen fifties or whatever, but still, uh, still something worth talking about. Um, yeah, the whole cast looked great. Looks like it shot well. Like the production design. Um, yeah, double thumbs up. Keen to watch. Yeah, this is two thumbs up from me. It's been one that's kind of been on my radar for a while. Like, obviously, uh, it. Brie Larson looks really good in this and like her working on a TV show. That sounds really cool. Uh, apparently it's only going to be a mini series, uh, but based on like a very popular book, hmm. um, it's an interesting concept of a girl who wants to be a scientist becomes like cooking host. Yeah. It's like the cooking like, is chem- water cooking's chemistry. You know I mean? Cooking is chemistry is hmm. chemistry technically. So um, yeah, just like really interestingly shot with like a lot of like, panning and move camera movements and that kind of stuff um yeah i'm very excited for this one uh so this is releasing on apple tv plus october 13th next trailer is for totally killer uh directed by nanachka khan starring kieran and shipka olivia holt julie bowen and randall park 35 years after the shocking murder of three teens an infamous killer returns on halloween night to claim a fourth victim when 17-year-old Jamie comes face-to-face with the masked maniac, she accidentally time-travels back to 1987. Forced to navigate the unfamiliar culture, Jamie teams up with her teenage mother to take down the psycho once and for all. 
Uh, Dylan, what do you think of this latest Blumhouse time travel movie? Yeah, it looks great. Double thumbs up. Uh, looks very funny. My, it's like literally just Back to the Future meets um, uh, a slasher movie. <laughs> no, Bell's was about to say that. that fucking comic, comedy one that they did two for. Um, happy Death Day. Happy Death Day. Yeah, it's like Happy Death Day. Like feels like because like that sort of vibe. Um, but it's literally just Back to the Future. <laughs> like <it's> just, <laughs> to the extent where they. Sh- Make it the joke, Directly right? Addressed. Start a trailer. Yeah. yeah. No. Yeah. It looks very, very good. Um, double thumbs up. Keen. Yeah. Two thumbs up for me. Uh, great looking cast. Interesting, like, premise to kick it off um, that we haven't really seen, like, a time travel slash movie. Uh, yeah. Say, of... Happy Death Day is time travel. But anyway, te- time, it's time loop. Time, time loop. Okay. Sorry. Time different. loop's different to time travel. Okay. My bad. Yeah. They won't go back in time. Okay. Like, whereas they're stuck in the loop. Yeah, it's completely different. Completely different. Uh, and you've got the dual threat of being stuck in the eighties and being killed by a mur- serial killer. You know, mm. so double threat. Um, but yeah, lots of fun interactions, fun talking about you know jokes about the present day and uh, not being destroyed by AI, but being destroyed by AI dancing TikToks. Yeah, killed by dancers. Killed. Yeah, we're being destroyed by dance. Also, that, uh, shout out to that, that one mum. I haven't even done cocaine yet. And 80s nearly over. <laughs> Don't know. <laughs> <laughs> the two kids. Uh, all right. So, Totally Killer is releasing on Prime Video October 6th. I feel like you can watch this one. Say something on the trailer. Yeah. Looks like a, I'm pretty sure this like will a, be fun. Yeah. Horror comedy that you could watch. This is fine. Yeah. Shout uh, out to next? Sabrina. Yeah. Rip. Uh,. Next trailer is for The Fall of the House of Usher, created by Mike Flanagan, uh, starring Carla Gugino, uh, Bruce Greenwood, Mary McDonald, Carl Lumley, Samantha Sloan, Tania Miller, Raul Cooley, Kate Siegel, Sorian Sapkota, Zach Guilford, Willa Fitzgerald, Katie Parker, Malcolm Goodwin, Michael Truco, Henry Thomas, and Mark Hamill. The CEO of a corrupt pharmaceutical company faces his questionable past when his children start dying in mysterious and brutal ways. Dylan, you're a big Mike Flanagan fan. Well, I I just can't believe that, A, Disney Plus just put out this story, and then Netflix does a version of it, and now they're doing a different version of the exact same fucking story. What what was the Disney? Remember the Disney one starred Michael Keaton, and then they did the... And there was the girl in the mine. And then Netflix just put out that one... Um, what are you shaking it? What are you shaking your head? I don't think it's it's definitely not about. I'm pretty sure it's the same story, right? It's a pharmaceutical, right? No, I don't think. I don't th- <laughs> in real life. In real life, I don't think they get the comeuppance like they do in this. Oh, damn, I thought it was. Uh... All right, anyway. Um, yeah. I look three thumbs up. Obviously, <laughs> I, find, I know. I know what you expect out of me from this. This is one of my most anticipated things of the year, um, especially in the TV side of things. This, this look. Every, if this is as good as the trailer looks, this will be one of my favorite TV shows of the of the year. Easily, come on! I can't wait. Mike Flanagan, give it to me. Just inject, inject this shit straight into my veins. I got. I got all the regulars in here, and then I got Mark Hamill. Fuck yeah! Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, two thumbs up from me as well. Like, as a trailer, fantastic. Like, fantastically put together. Obviously, uh, based on a Al- Edgar Allan Poe short story, thus the Nevermore, Nevermore, Nevermore stuff. And um, 
I'm definitely intrigued as to the who the what entity is uh, causing that family so much tr- strife. Uh, why, why is she attacking this family in this way and murdering all these children? Uh, and then Rahul Cooley, like, being what's that? I can't remember. What's the sheet? The part he just. I don't have like, anything in black or funeral black. Oh yeah. wait, satin. Satin. Satin's a poor no man. one should wear poor man's <laughs> silk. No one should wear satin to a funeral unless they died. <laughs> That's so good. I love so, how yeah. Rahul's fallen into one of um Flanagan's regulars now. Yeah, him and so Kate good. Siegel. Well, no, it's like him, Kate Siegel, Carla, um, Henry Thomas. Uh, Mary McDonald, I think uh, Michael Turturro, I think he's worked with. There's Mike Flanagan is one of the, the only current like sort of writer directors I feel outside of like Quentin Tarantino, or oh, I guess so Christopher Nolan, like someone who just like consistently seventy percent of the cast is the same is the last thing. <laughs> like just uses a lot of the same people. I, I love it. All right. Uh, so yeah, this debuts on Netflix October twelfth. Okay. Next trailer is for Goosebumps, created by Rob Letterman and Nicholas Stoller, starring Justin Long, Anya Yipug, uh Miles McKenna, Will Price, Zach Morris, Isa Briones, and Rachel Harris. A group of five high schoolers embark on a shadowy and twisted journey to investigate the tragic passing three decades earlier of a teen named Harry Biddle, while also uncovering dark secrets from their parents' pasts. Uh, Dylan, what do you think of this this horror series starring Justin Long? Surprisingly, one up, one down is where I'm going to go for this one. And I feel like it could have nearly been two thumbs up if they didn't use the fucking song. So on the nose. Just ridiculous. Oh, but what was the song? It's fucking Drake or whatever. I can't remember. Yeah, I meant to look it up. Yeah. <laughs> fucking, I was like, come on now. That's just way too on the nose. That, that part yeah. was annoying me. Uh, that part was annoying. Do you know what they did? They went to song lyrics and Doctor Goosebumps and found whatever the first thing that. It really feels like someone googled like songs with Goosebumps in the lyrics and then just like built the trailer around that. Otherwise, I'm surprised how good this actually looks. Um, considering I know when they said they were doing a Disney Plus series, but it, I mean it's Hulu, right? Is, or is it actually yeah. Hulu? Well, it's gonna. It's they're gonna be screening on both for okay. Halloween period. Yeah. Gotcha. Because I know, I know they were ta- they're, they're targeting that PG thing, but I didn't think they would actually do a PG show. Like I remember, I remember seeing the press release or whatever, like Goosebumps, Disney Plus, PG. You know, I'm like, okay, we'll we'll fucking see. But this this feels like actually doing it. Like it feels like it's it's scary for YA. YA is scary. And, well, um, yeah, it seems pretty... like a step up from the movies. Yeah, recently. Yeah, yeah. So I'm um, I'm I'm mildly interested now. To be honest, I gave zero fucks before, but. I'm mildly interested in that. Yeah, I'm I'm one up, one down. Like, uh, I completely forgot this was going to be a thing until I saw the trailer pop up in one of the feeds. I look for trailers. Um, but yeah, it looks solid. Um, you know, I don't know why in particular this is Goosebumps. Like, are they going to have bring characters? Is they going to like how's it going to fit into the world of Goosebumps? Or they're going to tie it? Sounds in? like sounds Other like one. Than- Based on one particular short story, but maybe they have like others, like as many mini things that have things tie in. Yeah, uh, but yeah, you know, it looks interesting enough, and clearly it's coming out at a fitting time. Uh, so Goosebumps were released on Disney Plus here in Australia on October thirteenth. Last trailer, last trailer for this week: Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. 
directed by James Wan, starring Jason Momoa, Patrick Wilson, Amber Heard, Yaha Abdul-Martin II, and Nicole Kidman. After failing to defeat Aquaman the first time, Black Manta wields the power of the mythic Black Trident to unleash an ancient and malevolent force. Hoping to end his reign of terror, Aquaman forges an unlikely alliance with his brother Orm, the former king of Atlantis. Setting aside their differences, they join forces to protect their kingdom and save the world from irreversible destruction. Dylan, what did you think of the latest trailer for, well, the first trailer for Aquaman in the Lost Kingdom? I'm going to go one up, one down. Um, it mostly looks pretty meh to me, like just typical novice superhero DC movie. And I'm mostly just like, I don't really give a fuck. But Patrick Wilson looks really good in it, and Yaya Abu-Mateen looks really good in it. Um, so with that, I'll give it one up, one down. Otherwise, for the majority of it, I don't really care. I'm giving it two thumbs up. I think it was really good. Um, I think this one, they're clearly letting Jess Momoa have more personality <laughs> about his character. Uh, well, he's I don't the- know if this was shot first before Fast X or Fast Not, but it felt like... He's got story it's, credit on this. Yeah, he's a, he was part of the story team. Um, but yeah, it feels like he got to add more to the character and have more involvement. Um, you know, there's just, it's, he's not just a hard-ass, like, brooding dude the entire time, you know? He's making jokes and wants to be friends with his brother. And, you know, it seems like a bro's trip, you know, to <laughs> to find the solution. Um, the The most interesting to me is... This is almost the exact same cast from the last movie, which is almost unheard of in these kind of movies. It's like superhero movies. Yeah. We'll just kill off the villain from the last film and then you know bring in a whole bunch of new people. But mm. they're building up Black Manta from the last film, um, giving making him stronger and like giving him another round against Aquaman. So I think that's an interesting point of difference to any other superhero movie recently. Um, yeah, I mean, it looks solid. Obviously, you've got all the water stuff that makes it stand out and different. Um, and giant trench creatures. So, yeah, I, I'm keen. Um, so, yeah, this is coming to cinemas on Boxing Day. All right, let's move into this week's top three. Definitely in the top three. And this week's top three is top three most anticipated movies from Toronto International Film Festival or Venice Film Festival. It's pretty self-explanatory. Dylan, what's your number three? Uh, well, yeah, so it was, it was top three combined, right? It wasn't... I was also yeah. Thinking, you know, combined. Like, it's pretty self-explanatory until... Until you um, ask that question. Yeah. Until I ask that question. <laughs> but, that's right, I got, it, I got it right this week. Um, My number three is Women of the Hour, which is Anna Kendrick's debut directorial film um she was going to show up and do the thing but then decided not to because stan was acting friends which was good to see but uh yeah reading about it after all that news and the the one screenshot that's been released i was like what is this like because you see you see the, the pictures released of dating aim like okay what is this like a rom-com or like what's the guy and then you read about it it's like true story about a fucking serial killer who was on a dating show I'm like what the fuck so um yeah truth is stranger than fiction type type thing happening here so uh, yeah, very keen. Uh, got decent uh, reviews and reaction out of the the festival itself. So, um, a lot of um, I feel like there's a lot more actors in the last like five years turning to 
directing. I, I, yeah. Which is, I, I like to see. It's like sort of, hey, once you sort of learn that craft, you can you can pick up things. Why not give it a go? Can, but, yeah. You know, it's just the, the industry has more opportunities now, so why hmm. not? Especially good to see it's not just men, like Anna Kedrick, you know, so. Cool. Yeah. Uh, my number three, Poor Things, unsurprising that it should make the list. Obviously, it won the Golden Lion at the Venice Film Festival. Uh, it's sitting at a 98% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, I've seen the film being described as incredibly wild, um, but also considered an Oscar contender uh, for several of the cast. Uh, yeah, very excited. Super excited! It got moved forward here in Australia from 18th of January to Boxing Day, so it'll count towards this year's best of 2023 stuff instead of next year. So number so, one on my list was Poor Things. Okay. Uh it sounds absolutely fucked up, which I love. <laughs> it's literally just like reading about all the wild things that are supposedly in this movie um insane but like yorgos what's his name less lethamos lethamos like he's i've watched all his movies but like i've seen dog two well no i feel like i've seen only one the only one of his i haven't watched i need to maybe watch before this comes out i feel that out of his main stuff is the killing of a sacred deer which i never got around to actually watch it but he is such a like a weird style like and it's like even when you look at like his more commercial stuff which would just be the favorite, I guess. Um, like a straightforward movie. Even that's a weird movie. So, and then reading about this, just it's basically Frankenstein, but it's a woman. And like, take that down that road and see how it comes out. Emma Stone looks, apparently is just having the, the wildest fucking time. Um, Mark Ruffalo too. So, I don't know. Everything I read about it, I was like, I can't wait. This sounds like really insane at the same time i'm gonna, i'm surprised you're keen because i've read it's actually quite disturbing at times so <laughs> i mean it's female frankenstein but yeah weird like it's not a horror movie but like apparently there's a lot of sexual stuff and then like sexual stuff that's also fucked up at the same time so so like the favorite i guess well, <laughs> no no not at all like more like body horror Wasn't stuff. It? What is what it sounds like to me? Like I don't know. I haven't heard that. So yeah, I don't know. We'll see. So um, we'll see. But yeah, very keen. I can't wait. Uh, my number two, American Fiction. So this is the film that took out the Toronto International Film Festival's uh, Audience Awards. Uh, it's from a first-time director called uh, called Jefferson. It's starring. Uh, uh jeffrey wright and uh it's described as jeffrey wright stars as monk a frustrated novelist who's fed up with the establishment profiting from black entertainment that relies on tired and offensive tropes to prove his point monk uses a pen name to write an outlandishly black book of his own a book that propels him to the heart of hypocrisy and the madness he claims to just saying uh yeah clearly just uh has gotten incredibly positive reviews across the board uh, sounds like it's very funny and satirical, um, and yeah, apparently Jeffrey Wright's fantastic in it, so I'm very keen for that uh, American fiction. Dylan, what's your number two? My number two was The Boy and the Heron, which feels like a sort of safe pick, but yeah. here we are. So, watch the trailer? Still not going to watch the trailer. No. 
Apparently there's birds in it. Oh yeah, bird is in the film. Have you seen the stills? I've seen a still. Maybe a still with a bird with a bunch of teeth. Yeah, I've seen that one. Yeah, I've seen a picture of a boy. I know what he's doing, but he's doing something. (laughs) Still no Australian really seat, as far as I can tell. I don't know. Hopefully, can they just put it out? Can they just put it out? Um, like now, not dubbed. You know what I mean? Like, what? I don't want to wait. Like, that's a good question. Is that what's holding it up? Do you reckon? I assume so, because Disney usually, you know. Well, I mean, it's it's won't be released by Disney here in Australia. But, but yeah, but usually Disney is involved. At least every other Ghibli film they've been involved in the the process to make to yeah. Them I'm trying to remember with uh, the witch and the witch flower, whatever it was called. The 3D one. Yeah, whether that, there was that massive delay. No, no, but like timing wasn't wise. wasn't a massive delay that's for that one. No. So. Sorry. Hopefully soon. Mm. Uh, my number one, Hitman. The latest film from Richard Linklater, starring uh, Glenn Powell. Uh, everybody's calling it a fantastic, like, comedic thriller. Um, a starring role for Glenn Powell, who's like... Uh, you know, been in a bunch of cool stuff. Uh, prom- like people probably most know him now from Top Gun Maverick. Um, but yeah, this is the one that I heard lots of people talking about. Lots of reviewers saying it's fantastic star making performance. Uh, was worried because it still had not been picked up by anybody, and then today it's announced that it got bought by Netflix. Um, who said they will be releasing in cinemas? Mm-hmm. Uh, but it likely means we won't be seeing it anytime soon. Mm. So, uh, yeah, that's my number one. Dylan, this week, what do you want to watch? This week, I want to watch the. Uh, it's not coming out here, and I get, yeah, but anyway, um, I want to watch It Lives Inside, which is this uh, Indian American uh, horror movie that's coming out. Uh, watch the. Tra- I never actually heard of it until the trailer played before. I believe. Uh, uh, when I was up in Brisbane, it played before um the fuck talk to me movie. yeah that movie yeah, fucking sorry I forgot the name don't even care anymore um but yeah played before <laughs> that it uh, looks to be playing on the like cultural myths and stuff of uh like Indian culture or something like that um but it looked really cool it looked different like like it's a it's a horror movie but it like what was happening didn't look like something I'd seen before so I was really intrigued by that so. That would be my movie pick for this week. Uh, TV show, I've got nothing. The rest of Sex Education. Yeah, I'll watch that. Yeah, my, my TV show, Sex Education, uh, for sure. Uh, also the Continental. Uh, but then the Apple TV series, Still Up, uh, is one that I'm interested in checking out, starring Antonio Thomas from The Good Doctor and Craig Roberts from Submarine and that kind of stuff, as two uh, insomniacs who can't go to sleep uh, who become friends because they don't sleep. <laughs> Side note, you just reminded me of something. Did you see yeah. that film? I can't remember the name. It was at one of the film festivals. I was reading about it. Um, like a documentary about this like fucked up experiment that happened on this dude who got like all his clothes taken and had to like... Yes. So apparently... Fuck? <laughs> like, <laughs> like... There were... A guy was auditioning for a reality TV yeah, show. Yeah, thought he was. And the thing was he would... Stripped bare, put in a room, and then the only things he could 
get are things he won in sweepstakes. Yeah. And he thought it was just audition footage. It wouldn't be shown to everybody. But that was the TV show. It's yep. what my understanding of reading like a short synopsis. Yeah. That's ba- I think that sounds like what I That was through. one of the more interesting documentaries from the festivals yeah. as well. I was I like, read, that so. sounds fucked. Where can I watch yeah. it? <laughs> like, <laughs> which is a terrible thing to say, but that's yeah. Uh yeah, and then on the film front, I want to check out Cassandro, uh, which is releasing on uh Prime Video, uh starring Gal 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 Garcia Bernal uh as like a gay amateur wrestler. Uh, oh that one. Yeah. Yeah, that one got very good reviews back at Sundance earlier this year. Uh finally releasing on Prime Video. True so. story. True story. All right, let's know what you're excited to check out. What things you are? What are your top three things from Tiff and uh, Venice and Telluride? Uh, let us know by going to explosionnetwork.com slash Twitter and let us know on X or jump into our Discord at explosion.com slash Discord. If you want to help us out here, what do you want to watch? Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and Podchaser. Tell people about the show. Leave us five stars. Anyone leave five stars. Um. And if you've enjoyed this episode, thoughts worth a dollar, head over to our Kofi page at explosion.com slash support. Thank you very much for listening. Until next time, keep watching stuff, I guess.